Scripture reading for this evening is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 27 through 31. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The word of the Lord. Love your enemies. Show kindness to those who hurt you. This passage I've heard so often quoted as a blanket condemnation of resistance. To assert that we must find a middle ground, reject violence on all sides. It's very easy to call others to take the high road. To sit in the comfort of a stable home and declare that violence and vengeance rebellion solves nothing. This line is used to condemn protesters, strikers, freedom fighters, anyone who refuses to submit to the violence of authority. Why can't they be like Jesus? For me, this message rings hollow. Turning on the news, I see an epidemic of dehumanization. Entire communities being labeled terrorists, criminals, groomers. Pastors and politicians calling to eradicate the queer menace which threatens good American families. Carpet bombing hospitals and schools in the name of a colonial occupation. Witnessing this fear-mongering and violence that fuels the genocide Christ's words seem hopelessly naive. Pray for those who persecute you. Turn the other cheek. Am I to let people walk all over me? Simply give in to oppression, to surrender without resistance. This seems to be what Christ is saying through the lens of our culture of domination, through the lens of a world in which wealth and authority reign supreme. Yet, as I grow and learn, I've come to see this passage differently. I don't see Jesus calling for submission. I see him calling for a different kind of resistance. Let's consider his context. Jesus lived in occupied lands a militarized client state ruled over his people on behalf of a distant hegemon. The people of Judea lived at the whims of wealthy politicians from foreign lands whose culture and economic interests dominated their reality. Local leaders were chosen from those who were willing to sell their own people for wealth and authority. Protests and revolts triggered violent repression by the occupying forces. Rebel leaders were tortured and left to rot in the sun for weeks 
in the same way that Jesus himself would be killed. Only a few decades after his death, there would be a rebellion so significant that the Romans would burn the sacred temple of Jerusalem to the ground as punishment, never to be rebuilt. Jesus had seen what reflecting their violence does. It returns to you in full force. This is a cycle that can only end with the eradication of those with less resources, fewer weapons of war, and less willingness to commit atrocity. Faced with this fate, Jesus chose a different path. He was called to break that cycle. He believed in choosing to forgive those who hurt and oppress us, to take our moment of greatest weakness and remind them of our humanity. He showed us that those who are truly submitting to violence are those who wield the sword, those who carry the whip. They are the ones who are lost. They are the ones who let these violent systems command them, denying the deeper power of love, the deeper reality that we are all family. And yet, even to these lost souls, he offers salvation. He declares that if they can accept God's love into their hearts, if they can choose to cast away their sword, lay down their baton, they too can be saved. To the end, even as he lays dying, he cries out to the soldiers of the brutal empire that has tortured and butchered him to feel God's forgiveness, to choose a different path, this is the path that he calls us to. This is not a choice to call others to. It is a reflection to show them. A path is not made up of theory, of sentiments, even prayers. It is made to be walked. Jesus did not simply say to forgive your enemies. He demonstrated it. His actions showed in death and in life that real power is remaining true to yourself, to your deepest values, to the soul that lies within and to the spirit that connects us all. Real power is embodying liberation even as you are oppressed, becoming the world that you wish to live in. True pacifism isn't an easy path. It's not avoiding danger or making generic statements of peace. It is standing in the face of oppression, placing yourself in the path of the machine of war and declaring that you will not move. Following this path means facing these violent systems of empire that we live within crying out to the humanity of those who carry its whip, calling them to witness what they have done, what they are doing, reminding them that they will be forgiven if only they lay down their arms. There will always be a seat at the table for those who choose love 
and peace. We need to show them the reflection of Christ so they may see that they have been worshiping Rome. Who do you think plays the role of Rome today? Can you see the reflection in yourself? I know I have. It lives within all of us, placed there by a culture that glorifies the so-called power of violent authority, that worships these authorities of absolute truth, the pure white light of civilization, which must deny and destroy all that is dark and messy and mixed and different and foreign. Those caught in these systems are lost in their fears, convinced that punitive violence is the only way, that their safety, their peace, their, their families rely on cages and guns and borders and police brutality, that the death and terror wrought by systems of mass violence, these tools of law and order, are simply unfortunate necessities, casualties of war, that the brutality of military occupation and systemic poverty is nothing compared to the terror that would reign if our troops came home. We have all been led astray. This conditioning comes up when we are afraid, when we feel that our peace has been threatened. This is why we are quick to justify violence when it feels our own community is at risk. This is why white people are quick to call the cops on an unknown black person. This sense of punitive justice can turn on ourselves as easily on others, maintaining the cycle of violence through self-harm and shame. I believe forgiveness must begin with the oppressor that lives within us. Only then can we release that energy and transform that warrior of vengeance into a guardian of peace. Christ calls us to forgive and release the persecutor, within and without, to disarm their fear with our kindness, to turn the other cheek, recognizing that they know not what they do. In my eyes, Christ proved the lie of the so-called power of empire, of wealth, of violence, he went to the slum communities they framed as violent criminals and broke bread with loving folks just trying to survive. He went to the Samaritans, ethnic minorities hated and vilified by his own people, and he found untold kindness and generosity. He went to the whores, the lepers, the outcasts, the queers, the deviants, those framed as the root of society's ills and found a spirit so powerful that he declared these meek, powerless, marginalized souls would be the true inheritors of heaven. He lived within the Roman Empire, an authority whose golden eagle flew above military bases and trading posts across the world. 
And he declared that their wealthy elites, their paragons of military might, their authorities of church and state alike, they are the ones who are powerless. They are the ones who have lost the truth. They are the ones destined for misery and destruction. Such a person cannot find heaven for they are lost in systems of wealth and violence, lost in the arrogance of holding themselves above their fellow man and above the sacred earth that God has granted us. I, this isn't theoretical for me. My own queer and trans community is being targeted across the country and the world as we speak. The image of people like me is being used to drum up the fears of people who are lost in this worship of violence as power, who believe that perhaps if we are eradicated, finally there will be peace. We are sold to them as agents of the devil, preventing this empire from being the shining beacon of light it was meant to be. Media elites and wealthy pastors make fantastical claims about the horrors that my people are enacting, distracting from the everyday horrors that are committed in the name of law and order in our modern Rome. Many of these people believe themselves to be Christians. They use Jesus' name to curse me, to declare me unholy, profane, lost. <sighs> to them, I reflect their own prophet's words and example. I forgive them their violence against me if they will lay down their sword to examine and forgive and heal the soldier of oppression within themselves. I pray that they can grow to love and treat each person and every part of nature as children of God and embrace that an all-powerful God can have infinite names and faces, that they can end their worship of empire and wealth in the name of a poor, radical Jewish storytelling healer. And I hope that if enough of us can make this choice, can walk this messy, difficult path of forgiveness and universal love, that we can end the legacies and systems of violence that built that cross once and for all. Thank you.